Hello, I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, SCOTUS considers an abortion case that has the backing of some strange bedfellows and that has caused the Senate Minority Leader to issue what can only be called a threat. Principled conservatives are revealed to be less principled and less conservative than they claim. And union fan Jank Uger loves collective bargaining, except when it involves his own staff at the Young Turks news show. To begin, on Wednesday, the Supreme Court closed out their February sitting with a big abortion case, June Medical Services, LLC v. Russo. It is one of the first abortion cases to hit the highest court since some states began implementing laws that would outlaw or restrict abortion should Roe v. Wade be overturned. And its appearance led to a bit of theatrics from New York Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer, the sitting Senate minority leader. Speaking to protesters outside the court Wednesday, Schumer called out Trump-appointed Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh by name, saying, You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Why the outburst, which incidentally the senator had walked back by Thursday? Because abortion is a pet position of the left, and the group's writing friend of the court, or amicus briefs, in the June Services case, reveal just how far the entire coalition of left-leaning groups will go to protect it. CRC's research specialist, Robert Stilson, writes that the June Services case stems from a Louisiana state law that requires doctors who perform abortions to also have admission privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of their clinic in case something goes awry. Pro-choice activists argue that the practical effect of this will reduce the number of abortion providers in Louisiana, and create an undue burden on women seeking to exercise their right to abortion. Interestingly, some of the groups weighing in on the June Services case would rarely, if ever, be associated with with abortion advocacy in the minds of the general public, and possibly in the minds of pro-life supporters of these groups, writes Stilson. Those groups include teachers unions, religious organizations, and even the American Bar Association. This is problematic for Americans with deep pro-life convictions who might be completely unaware of their preferred group's stance on abortion. Brian Fallon of Demand Justice, a leftist-center advocacy group that spent much of the early part of 2018 organizing protests against Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation, unofficially added his organization's name to the list by tweeting that Schumer had done a good thing by, quote, telling it like it is about what he believes is conservative judicial activism. But Chief Justice John Roberts and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell both rebuked Schumer's comments, with Roberts saying Schumer's words were inappropriate and dangerous. The Chief Justice also made clear how he sees the issue of judicial activism as it relates to Schumer's comments. Quote, all members of the court will continue to do their job without fear or favor from whatever quarter, the Chief Justice wrote. Moving on, a week ago, the Summit on Principled Conservatism met to discuss, among other things, their belief that opposing President Donald Trump is the only pathway for true conservatives who want to save their preferred political philosophy from the unprincipled scourge of a populist president. As the Washington Examiner wrote on Monday about the summit, quote, Top never-Trumper Bill Kristol chided younger generations who engage in totally unmerited boasting about American exceptionalism, as it is used today attributing the country's greatness to those in the past who exhibited a healthy conservatism, end quote. Quote, nothing is more annoying, Crystal said, invoking the words of French historian Alexis de Tocqueville, than this irritable patriotism of the Americans. 
But Crystal, erstwhile editor at large of the Weekly Standard and current editor at large of the openly never Trump bulwark, might not have the grasp of principled conservatism he believes he has, as CRC's investigative researcher Hayden Ludwig discovered when he began following how the bulwark is funded. Crystal Ludwig writes in an op-ed at The Federalist, has been funded from the start of his rebellion by big left-of-center donors like Pierre Omidyar and Hewlett Foundation. Quote, as of 2018, Crystal has also been backed by a nonprofit connected to a massive network of left-wing groups funding the anti-Trump resistance. That network of dark money is run by a powerful for-profit company called Arabella Advisors, and its influence is far-reaching and virtually unreported by the mainstream media. Specifically, Crystal's Bulwark website is run by the 501c3 Defending Democracy Together Institute, the sister organization of his 501c4 Defending Democracy Together, which runs the Never Trump attack group Republicans for the Rule of Law. The Hopewell Fund, which is one of the four main nonprofits operating in Arabella's shady network, forked out $75,000 to DDT in 2018. Sarah Longwell, who serves as executive director of DDT and the publisher of The Bulwark, says Crystal's group receives funds from all sorts of people who care about democracy and the rule of law, but she declines to name any individual donors or any conservative foundations, which must disclose their grants. The takeaway is that the leader of the principled conservative seems to be not quite on the up and up about who's paying for their activities, which is arguably unprincipled. And those activities include, among other things, a push to support Joe Biden for president, which is arguably anti-conservative. And finally, production staff of The Young Turks' Jank Ugerst Progressive News and Opinion Show presented union cards to gain recognition under the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees. Pro-union interests prefer these card checks to secret ballot votes that allow employees to make their feelings known without fear of reprisal from union organizers or aggressively pro-union co-workers. Uger, a known and vocal union supporter, reacted strangely to his staff's request by holding an all-hands meeting to discourage unionization, according to an interview he gave to Huffington Post. Uger said he felt like he was being, quote, punked. The Blaze reported that in the Huffington Post interview, quote, Uger passionately urged employees to rethink their decision, throwing papers and openly reprimanding an employee, Despite being pro-union himself, he argued that a union does not belong at a small independent outlet like TYT, and that if there had been a union in the network's early years, it would not have grown like this. He also insisted, wrote The Blaze, he still strongly supports unions, but argued that a unionized workforce would cripple TYT with unsustainable new legal and bureaucratic costs. Uger's all-hands meeting is a standard business tactic to fully inform employees of the potential negative consequences of unionizing, the type of meeting the pro-union, pro-act would explicitly ban. While it's low-hanging fruit to hit the Young Turks for simple hypocrisy, there's a deeper lesson here. It's easy for the far left to praise the labor union system when it affects others since unions are staunch financial backers of left progressivism. But when faced with the consequences of living up to their stated commitments, the Young Turks are one of many liberal groups trying to avoid them. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.